I am Tovacito. I believe our lives should be happy, healthy, and abundant. And I believe it's our job to get us there. Every week, I will have inspiring, educational, and fun conversations that will help you live your very best life. Welcome to The Remedy. Well, hello, everyone, and welcome to the very next episode of The Remedy with Tobacito. So excited to have you with us today. Thanks so much for listening. And a huge thank you to my dear friend, Sarah Smith. <clears throat> Sarah Smith is actually dating my brother. Woot, woot. And she was so sweet to sponsor an episode. And so thank you, Sarah, for encouraging um, me and for your incredibly kind and generous donation and for allowing Kevin to see another day. Thank you, Sarah. <laughs> so thank you, thank you. Um, today I'm so excited about um, my guest, a dear friend of mine, um, somebody that I love and admire very much. I love him. I, As much as I love him, I worship your bride, <laughs> love her so very much, and your beautiful, beautiful family. Um, they've been dear friends of mine for years, um, but that's not why you're here today. You're here because you're actually really smart as well, and you know a ton about the heart. You are a very reputable, very well-known, very smart, educated, all the all the things, um, cardiologist, um, which I can't imagine. I mean, I can't imagine how hard your job is and how rewarding your job is. Um, <clears throat> I've actually seen you on a day where you had a bad day um, at the office. And when you have bad days at the office, um, those I have bad days at my office, but my bad days look really different than your bad days. Um, and so what you do is very real, very personal, um, because you're dealing with people and health and you've got to have a lot of really good conversations, but you also, you also have to have a lot of really hard conversations. And I'm sure, I'm sure, I'm sure your closest friends and family don't even know some of the things that you have seen and experienced and you carry. Um, you're a, you're a very deep man, Bruce Bowers and, and, a very, very good man, and um, and I really appreciate your time today because I know you don't have a lot of it. I mean, when you're when you're not in scrubs, you're at home with four kids and and Bo, who's just about the cutest dog I've ever seen, <laughs> and so there's not a lot of margin in your life. So thank you so much for for being with me today. So I introduced you as as my friend and someone I know is really smart and knows a lot of things, but. What's your real title? I know you have lots of letters behind your name. Yeah. What do those things mean? Tell, tell us what you do. Well, thanks uh, for having me. Uh, I've, a, I've never listened to a podcast. <laughs> I'm not <laughs> so offended. This is, my, this is sort of my first you know, foray into the old podcast land. But um, Well, you it's know, real easy because you, yeah. you have coffee and I have a juice and all we're doing is having a conversation. Yeah, I know. It's, it's great. Um, <laughs> and if anyone needs water, just let me know. It's what I'm here for. Okay, okay. You're the water boy. <laughs> so, um, yeah, the, the letters, um, you know, there's... There's a long story behind those letters, right? So, mm -hmm. yeah, obviously medical, you know, medical doctor and then the FACC part as a fellow of American College of Cardiology. But what I really, you know, what I do um, is what's called interventional cardiology or invasive cardiology. I spend most of my time, my particular area of expertise is replacing heart valves, repairing heart valves, uh, and then also um, what's called mechanical cardiac support. Uh, device work, which is, you know, putting people on left ventricular assist devices, people that are in cardiogenic shock or really bad heart failure that we're trying to bridge to transplant. Uh, mm. So I do a lot of the group of patients that I tend to work with and do surgery on um, tend to be older. Um, and if they're not older, uh, they're just really ill. Mm. Um, and so you're right, you know, you alluded to it. It's 
I get a lot of, you know, sort of life and death in my world, um, you know, inside the walls of that hospital every day. So, um, you know, but, it, you know, after doing this for almost 20 years, that's, you know, that's my job. Mm-hmm. And uh, so there, you know, it was a long road to get there uh, to, to, to do what I do. But, um, yeah, I wouldn't trade it for, you know, for the world in terms of an occupation. So, so you grew up in the Northeast, mm-hmm. and did you always know you wanted to be a doctor? <laughs> yeah, that's funny. So, yeah, I grew up in a really small town, Gettysburg, Pennsylvania, kind of okay. famous. Yeah. Um, and so there was a little battle that occurred there. <laughs> and then, uh, well, I guess it was, uh, you know, the Gettysburg Address. Uh, we all had to memorize at some point. Yeah. But, um, yeah, so we were there. And the reason why we were there in that little town was that there's a college there, Gettysburg College, really nice uh school, um, liberal arts, little college. And my mother um, was a women's athletic director and college professor there. And so uh, she coached, well, she coached a lot of different things, but pretty much uh, field hockey and lacrosse, women's lacrosse. That's amazing. Yeah. So, and she coached into her eighties. My mom, you've met, you had met my mother. She passed Mm -hmm. away almost two years ago now, but Um, I loved your mother. Yeah, she she's she's so I you kinda I kinda have to start there, uh, because I was in this small town. Um I'm the youngest of four. Uh I've got, you know, really brilliant two sisters and a brilliant brother. Um, you know, they went to North Carolina, they went to Princeton and Brown and wow. you know, so yeah, like brainiac wow. people. And so, you know, did I always want to be a doctor? Yes. Uh I think we still have something up in my attic probably from like third grade, you know, that I said, I, you know, what do you want to be when you grow up? You know, I wrote doctor. I guess a lot of kids probably wrote doctor too. But I never wrote doctor. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe not, but, um, you know, I think it's a calling for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, I but, a thousand percent agree with that. Yeah. And so I don't know what really you know, sort of why I had that compulsion maybe uh, about going into medicine, but it was just so, I don't know, I always felt comfortable. Did any with of the your idea. siblings have yeah, that? Yeah, so one of my sisters, uh, Barbara, she is uh, a pediatrician. Okay. And so, um, you know, there was some of that, you know, mm-hmm. um, but it was, it was so much more, I don't know, confusing because when I was in second grade, they did... Uh, I guess what we would call now like talented and gifted testing or something. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I was not particularly talented nor gifted. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> and so uh, anyway, we all had to take the test. Right. And so we take this test. And uh, then my parents get called in to meet with the school psychologist. And uh, apparently I had some learning difference. And that was unknown, you know. Wow. And so, no, they didn't really know what to call it. Um, I, I personally think that it was probably somewhere on the attention deficit mm-hmm. uh, spectrum of something. Mm-hmm. But, you know, so their recommendation to my parents was that I would go to basically remedial courses and, you know, almost like a special education mm-hmm. type of program, kind of get out of the mainstream you know, classroom. And did um, you feel like you were struggling? I didn't, but I don't know when you're eight. <laughs> you know, what is struggling? <laughs> uh, I was a really good kickball player. <laughs> so, you know, I didn't. You're, you had a lot of fun uh, at recess. Yeah. I was like, you know, I but like, were you not doing well in school? I, I don't, I didn't feel like I was, mm-hmm. but apparently, like, I blew up this test awfully like it was like alarming to the people that administered it so mm-hmm. um yeah so my mom and dad and the funny part is like they showed the test apparently to my parents like mm-hmm. these are some of the things like he can't do and apparently like my dad failed it too like he didn't get it either <laughs> so <laughs> so that was kind of a running joke for years afterwards but um yeah but my mom being an educator you know um and being really pretty headstrong uh, and fierce, uh, like a warrior, <laughs> she was like, no way, no how. Like, we're not, you know, he's not going to go out of, like, the mainstream and, you know, we're going to keep, you know, keep doing this. And so, um, yeah, so so once that happened, even though, like, I sort of always had this idea of, of being a physician, 
you know, I was like, there's no way, right? I mean, apparently I, I'm stupid, mm-hmm. you know? Um, and so... That's amazing. Yeah. No, it's, I mean, you know, I always tell my kids this now. I'm like, you know, you look at somebody that's successful now, you know, you see them as an adult and you see their success and you're sort of like, you know, wow, they must have had this incredible straight line to mm-hmm. success, you know? Mm-hmm. And it's... I love telling my kids, ask them how they did that. Mm. Ask them like, you know, like, Mm -hmm. you know, people don't, people Mm -hmm. look at me probably now and they're like, oh, he's so smart. He's so brilliant. Blah, blah, blah. Mm -hmm. Oh, no, not really. Like Mm -hmm. I struggled, really struggled. And so, um, you know, but anyway, uh, yeah, so got through that and, you know, uh, I don't know if I outgrew it or outworked it. I don't know. Mm -hmm. Um, But uh, I did. You know, get to the point where um, you know in college I, um, you know, was a neuroscience major, and you know did. Did it stay with you? Like when when I mean, it obviously had a huge impression on you because you're you're remembering a lot of the details today. But like, was that a motivator to be like, okay, this school thinks that I should be in remedial. Like I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna kill it. Yeah. Like, I, did it motivate you? Yeah. Or did so, it discourage you? No, you know, in in our home, you know, because, you know, my father was a, you know, basically teachers, you know, right? So my dad was at one point, you know, a high school, you know, teacher and football coach for a number of years. And my mom was a coach and an educator at the college level. You know, there was, you know, there's sort of an adage that my mom had was that, you know, and this wasn't just to me, but, you know, it's like, look, you're not talented, you're not gifted, you're going to have to work twice as hard just to be average. Mm-hmm. And so the expectation in our home was just always like, you got to work, you got to outwork. You kind of like, you know, you're a grinder. Mm-hmm. Because you may not have all of those measurables, mm-hmm. but as my my mother used to speak of, y- you have to you have to succeed on your immeasurables. Mm-hmm. And so the immeasurables were, you know, the things like your drive, your attitude, the effort um, I love that. You know, your friendship, um, you know, your ability to communicate, uh, your interpersonal skills, and just, you know, all of those things, which I think now, you know, when you, if you rolled it all up, you would say that's, you know, the new term I think they use is grit, right? Mm-hmm. So it's mm-hmm. like, mm-hmm. you know, what, what really is behind that force, mm-hmm. you know, that drives you? Mm-hmm. And it's all of those things, mm-hmm. but you really can't measure that. No, right? there's I mean, no grit test. Yeah, there's right. There's no <laughs> exactly. You know, you can't put a stopwatch on grit, right? right so, right. so we were just gritty. Mm-hmm. You know, we were hard workers. That was the expectation. Um, we always had jobs. All of us worked. You know, like real jobs. You mm-hmm. know, um, particularly in the summertime, um, and that was just the. You know, we're kind of blue collar. You know outwork everybody mm. you know and be the last man standing Love and it. fight you know and just go for go for it mm-hmm. you know and mm-hmm. so yeah i mean it was oh this whole thing with the learning stuff i was like yeah i guess i don't know maybe they're right you know and you know i never did particularly well on standardized testing at all i was like in it i think part of it too was just i had such incredible test anxiety oh, after, yeah. after being told like yeah Hey pal, you're not real smart. Yeah, you know. Um, <laughs> yeah, you go. Well, here's t- another <laughs> test to prove how dumb I am. I yeah, mean, yeah, I mean, there's that's always that was yeah. always in the back of your mind, which is crazy because you know I've probably taken more standardized tests than you know ninety percent of you know the population, if not you know probably ninety nine percent of the population to, to get to do where, what I do now. But um, yeah, it was, it was always a bit of a struggle there. Mm. That is so. I never knew that about you. Yeah. I never knew that about it. Probably helps, you know. I, as as a parent, I think it is such a fine line because I have, I have, you know, my kids, and two of my kids are incredibly book smart. School comes very easy. It, I mean, they don't study, they don't try. It just, and they're going to show up, and they're going to always make an A. And then I have another one that's not the case, and he struggles with tests, and he has test anxiety, and. And he usually doesn't do well on that stuff. And it, it, it is, and yet he has incredible grit. And I mean, he, he kills it on so many other levels. But it is, like I remember going to a parent-teacher conference and, and kind of having a similar conversation about how worried she was about my son. Like, 
you know, he's not da da da, he's not da da da, he's not da. And that's the last parent teacher conference I went to because I'm like, I I know who my son is, and this test tells one thing about him, like that he doesn't like tests or he's not good at taking tests. You're like, there's so much, and so that's what I mean, kind of like your mom, like that's what we focus on, like the whole kid, the whole person, because. That's that's one piece of of what's going to get you where you want to go. There's yeah. there's lots more pieces. I totally agree. I, I I'm a little fearful that you know just from a society standpoint though we're becoming so much more sort of attracted to all the measurables. Yeah, for um, sure. You know, and I see the kids. You know, like how many likes you get, how yeah, many yeah. followers you have. It's like yeah. all this. It's all this quantitative stuff. Yeah. You know, yeah. and they feel like that's what's of importance it's true. and um you know or you know and like in my profession it's like guys have these incredible pedigrees right mm-hmm. i mean you know went to yale undergrad and went to harvard medical school and went to you know cleveland clinic for the cardiology training and you know just incredible guys like mm-hmm. just you know have all these you know uh you know incredible diplomas you know over their uh over their desk and you know, I don't have that. I don't have that background um, in the sense of, you know, that type of upper echelon mm-hmm. type of school. Um, but yet, you know, I'm in pretty rare company in terms of somebody that does the stuff that I do mm-hmm. across the country. And, you know, I'm looked at as, you know, really one of the pioneers and leaders in, in some of the stuff we do. And that was just purely because, you know, I was just not going to be denied. I love it. What it? I mean, I would have never thought that we would go there with this <laughs> podcast, but I love it, and I can't imagine how many people are listening to that and feeling inspired. Like, don't, don't let the man get you down. Like, there's, there's a lot more to you than what one thing or one says. Yeah, I mean, I didn't even get accepted to medical school. I, I mean, in the United States, so I got waitlisted. Um, I was living in Philadelphia. I was working in Philadelphia. I was, um, this was after I graduated from Wesleyan uh, University in Connecticut. And um, I was doing biomedical research at Temple University in Philadelphia and um, was trying to get published, you know, um, to kind of add to my resume. And um, so I applied to all the medical schools. I'd done okay on my MCAT, pretty much, you know, like sort of national average, Mm -hmm. um, not above average, but pretty much right at that number. And, um, you know, so I applied and I got some interviews and, um, I got waitlisted, you know? And, uh, so then, uh, my sister, uh, that's a pediatrician that had gone to Princeton. Um, she, she actually didn't get accepted to U S medical schools either. And, and she was brilliant. She was a math major at Princeton. Wow. I mean, like I think two, one of two women in her, in the graduating class that was a math major. So she was like super smart. And, um, but she went to medical school in Grenada and it's like, you know, I mean, you can watch sitcoms, you know, today about doctor shows and it's like, oh my God, he went to, you know, he went to medical school in Grenada. He must be, you know, just the worst doctor ever. And so, uh, you know, it's, it's, it is right. So anyway, it's, um, you know, but I, I kind of wear like a chip on my shoulder, I suppose, in a way, you know, that. That's where I went, mm-hmm. you know. I spent two years there um, and then came back to the States and did all my clinical rotations um, in New York and um, in the city. And, you know, um, and then you just take all the license, you know, you have to take all these what they call USMLE uh, licensing exams for the U.S. But every medical student in the U.S. has to take them too. Mm. And it was amazing because those tests were – those tests um, – they weren't so much like, uh, I don't know, intelligence tests maybe. Mm-hmm. Um, they're much more aptitude. Mm-hmm. It was much more like, do you know medicine? Mm-hmm. And, um, and I did really, really well on those. Mm-hmm. And so uh, that actually was a real catapult for me. Like, hey, I can, I can compete with anybody, mm-hmm. you know, because mm-hmm. I knew I was, my scores were being, ba- you know, were being scored right along with all the U.S. med students. Mm-hmm. And so when you're in the, you know, 98th, 99th percentile, I'm like, I'm as good as any of them. Mm-hmm. And so I got a really good education. And, um, you know, so I've never kind of looked back on that as, you know, a, a detriment 
but um when you started medical school did you know you wanted to be a cardiologist no um yeah so that there's a little backstory there too so i went to originally to fordham uh university in new york mm-hmm. um and i went there to play football uh i was a good football player in high school got recruited by several schools ended up going to fordham and uh when i was a freshman I had a uh, I had a back injury in like November of football season, and um, I ended up with three back surgeries. Oh, wow. So I had to drop out of school. I spent the next six months um, basically at home. I spent uh, spent almost two months in a rehab hospital. I was pretty. You know, it was pretty damaged. Wow. And so, um, so yeah, I'd had three back surgeries. And in that period Jeez. of time, um, I was, I was like, you know, if I'm not, if I'm not going to be able to play football at Fordham, you know, I think I may just want to go to a different school, different kind of environment. And that's mm-hmm. when I transferred to Wesleyan at that point. And, um, and I had looked at Wesleyan before I went to Fordham anyway. And so, um, Fortunately, I was able to transfer to Wesleyan. And um, so the reason why I bring that up when you asked, what did I want to be a cardiologist? What I wanted to be was I wanted to be like a sports medicine, Mm. orthopedic surgeon, Mm. you know, to help people, Mm -hmm. you know, that had Mm -hmm. maybe something similar to what I had. Because I thought I had this amazing neurosurgeon, but he, you know, basically had the bedside manner of this microphone. (laughs) And um, I couldn't stand the guy. You know, I was like... (laughs) You know, you did probably awesome work in there, but you're like not somebody I'd want to hang out with. And um, so um, anyway, I was like, you know, I would like to be able to bring that to this, you know, like Mm -hmm. be a really good Mm -hmm. surgeon, but also Mm -hmm. be able to connect with the patient maybe Mm -hmm. a little bit, which Mm -hmm. you would think would be (laughs) more than a microphone. Yeah. (laughs) So maybe the headset. (laughs) So anyway, go fast forward, go to medical school. Um, and then you, you like in your fourth year, uh, you get to choose rotations, some mm-hmm. of your electives, so you mm-hmm. can kind of sort of hone in on maybe what you want to do. Mm-hmm. And um, and that's just where you go be a cardiologist for a day, an OB for a day. Yeah, or, and they're usually like four like week two, blocks. Yeah, I was yeah say, it's like it a like four week months? block, okay. you know. And and the cool part about that, I, I will say this: I mean, you rotate through all of these things, and um, so. You know, I remember, you know, delivering babe, you know, I mean, you get all these amazing experiences, um, you know, so no matter what, every medical student has been involved in delivering babies and, you know, dealing with cancer kids and just, you know, like stuff. Yeah, you see everything and there's just like some stuff that you're just like, oh my goodness, I don't know how, thank God, literally God, that there are people that want to do this work because I don't know how they walk on to that pediatric cancer ward every single day. Like, I don't know how they do it. Um, But, you know, fortunately... And people are looking at you and saying the same thing about... (laughs) And I'm sure, yeah. yeah, I'm one of those people. Yeah, well, (laughs) yeah. I mean, and and so, yeah, it's kind of interesting how it all works out. So I rotated through um, this orthopedic sports uh, medicine... um, Elective, mm-hmm. and I'd gone through all types of surgery rotations at that point, and was really comfortable in an operating room and so forth. Lo and behold, first day, walk into the OR. Um, it's a guy, uh, relatively young, like in his twenties, but had a spinal cord problem. So they're doing back surgery, and um, and so uh, I don't. I've never come close to passing out in, in an operating room, but I couldn't. I was just—I I had to sit down. I couldn't, like, I couldn't even watch the surgery, and um, and I think it was just because it was too so close. Personal. Yeah, it was too yeah. close to home. Wow. You know? And so I remember I was sitting in the operating room. And I was just like, well. I'm not going to do this with your career. <laughs> so, well, there goes that. <laughs> check that box. Um, wow. Yeah. So that was that was kind of that was wild how that worked out. And then, um, so that's then I was, amazing. That's yeah. an amazing story. And so then I was like, well, I still want to do surgery, and um, I like the cardiac surgery. Mm-hmm. I thought that was really cool. So I was doing a rotation in cardiac surgery, and um, at that time like minimally invasive uh, cardiac stuff was really just starting to take hold, you know, where we would do things 
you know, through small incisions or we would do things that are catheter based and, you know, um, where you're operating, not actually looking inside the body, but you're using imaging and you're looking at everything on a screen. Mm. And so that was just, you know, the technology was just Mm -hmm. trying to, was just getting there at that point. Are you saying like through a scope? Yeah, it's not even a scope. It's like live Uh, x-ray. And so, um, you know, live x-ray with you know, sometimes we use ultrasound mm-hmm. combined with, you know, CT, you know, CAT scan imaging and a uh, whole host of imaging modalities that you can kind of bring together so that you can operate on somebody, you know, via instruments. But, you know, you're not I'm not looking at my hands right when I'm operating. I'm really, you know, for the most part, mm-hmm. I mean, I do. But um, but for the, the most screen. part, you're looking at imaging, wow. you know, and, and manipulating, you know, things based upon the imaging. So for the parents out there that have kids that are really good at, um, you know, playing video games, uh, don't give up on this them. gives me a lot of hope. <laughs> a lot of hope. This, 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 that high-eye-hand that, coordination that, with the that, screen That screen-hand-eye coordination <laughs> is key. So um, Then yeah. my, my children are going to change the world. That's what I was going to say. Mine too. <laughs> So, um, but at any rate, yeah. So, uh, anyway, I was doing this cardiac rotate, cardiac surgery rotation. And then, um, you know, we had a patient and the patient was pretty, you know, it was elderly and not a great, uh, candidate to go through open heart surgery. And so then the, uh, interventional invasive cardiologist gets involved and he's like, well, I'll, I'll, you know, I can do it, you know, minimally invasively and, you know, treat the patient this way. And so, I was like, wow, what's he going to do? And so followed him, and I was like, you know, it was like instantaneous. I was like, that's, you know, there was there are a few things about it. I was like, first of all, he was, you know, a totally normal guy, um, just, you know, but had really good skills. You know, I could tell that he had uh, great hands, as we say. Um, and then, um, but he just was great at the bedside, but he did – you know, just this amazing work on people that didn't have any really other solution. Mm. And I was like, that's a really cool niche to be in. And the tech, I could also tell that the technology was just like almost in its infancy at that point. I was like, there's going to be a future here. Mm. Like those cardiac surgery guys. And one of them is my dearest friend in the world that I work with daily. But I was like, they're going to lose some business to these guys because, you know, people are not going to want their chest open if they can avoid it. And so... Um, you could kind of see the business mm. aspect of it too, of how medicine was going to change that way and how technology was going to actually drive patient decisions, mm. uh, about how they wanted to be cared for. Um, Amazing. You saw that. Yeah. I mean, I, I've always sort of had vision like that, you know, I, for whatever that was worth. Um, well, that's a, I, I mean, could, that's a gift. Mm-hmm. That's just a God given gift. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I think, you know, I, I've always looked at things like that, you know, sort of where things are going, whereas, you know, where's the, the, the horizon on this and, you know, what's the longevity of certain things. So mm-hmm. that's where um, I got into cardiology. Mm-hmm. And so uh, cardiology after medical school is, I did, uh, six, seven. so I did uh, seven years, seven years of training after medical school oh. to do, oh to do, <laughs> to do what I did. So for a kid that in second grade had a learning difference um, wow. or was dull, uh, <laughs> you know, I did, uh, I did 11 years of, of education after college and, uh, you know, so Jeez. yeah, it's it, pretty, pretty incredible, uh, road. So you've but, been practicing for eight months <clears throat> now? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I just, just got my credentials last week, but, um, yeah, it's amazing. But, you know, I mean, wow. you re- the, the cool part about the training though, is that once you're out of medical school, you're really you're doing, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. you're, you're really, in it, you're in it, you, mm-hmm. you have hands on and so forth. And, um, you know, but yeah, if you told me even, I don't know, 13, 14 years ago that I'd be doing, I'd be spending the majority of my time doing what I'm doing today. Mm-hmm. Um, the stuff that I've been doing for the past dec- better part of the decade, I would have said no, cause it didn't exist, mm. you know? So, um, you know, and yet you saw or felt something coming. Right. And, and so and that, how exciting that you got to be a part of it. Yeah, that was the whole I thing. I can relate to that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you can. <laughs> <laughs> but I think that was, 
you know, that, that was, again, that was part of the vision part of it. Mm-hmm. Just, you know, mm-hmm. foresight, um, mm-hmm. maybe street smart, you know, mm-hmm. I think is, is, is part of it. Just Great. have this awareness, mm-hmm. right? You know, just where are things going? You know, how do I build, mm-hmm. you know, how do I get busier? How do I build this? And, you know, um, and so I was an early adopter, uh, even before things were, you know, uh, FDA approved mm-hmm. um, to be in clinical trials, um, and to do, um, you know, really cutting edge, you know, technology mm-hmm. and, uh, which probably sounds ridiculous after I introduced myself saying I never heard of a podcast before, <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> I, I, we all have our niche. Yeah. But, but uh, I, really, you know how many things you've said that I've never heard of today? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. Um, but that was, that was, you know, that's really, you know, so that's what I do. And, uh, I love the new technology. I love, um, you know, we, I still run about five, uh, you know, clinical trials, which are, you know, looking at, you know, basically experimental devices um, and, uh, you know, enroll patients in those and oversee studies. And so, you know, that's the, you know, that's the clinical work that I do. Um, you know, so you're, you're involved in a lot of repair, fixing, um, and like you said, people are coming to you because they're probably either really, really sick yeah. or uh, or getting up there in age. And so knowing that the heart, I mean, when I said, you know, what would you, what's important for you to focus on when, when, when I texted you about coming on the podcast, I, I loved in so many words, I'm a botch it, but that you said, you know, the heart is like it encompasses. Every, everything like everything goes back to the heart and so whether it's stress or food or yeah. or emotional like our heart is affected and so talk a little bit about that yeah so i, I think you know people talk about heart disease right, right. so um i don't com- even know what that is what is heart disease yeah so um and then go back to the question that right <laughs> well yeah i mean but it it so you know, by definition, we would consider heart. If you know, if I'm talking to a cardiologist, I say she has bad heart disease. Um, it can mean like a thousand different things. Oh, okay. 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 So, but I think for you know most of the public, when we think about heart disease, we think about what's called coronary artery disease, which is you know, first of all, the heart's you know a muscle, mm-hmm. um, and like any muscle in our body, it needs a blood supply. Mm-hmm. And um, if the arteries that give that blood supply to the heart muscle uh, start to become blocked um, or develop plaque buildup in them from cholesterol developing in the walls of those arteries, then there's a limitation to blood flow to the muscle. And if I limited the blood flow to your bicep muscle, your bicep muscle wouldn't feel so good. Mm. And that's what happens to the heart. And then you have, you know, with those blockages comes things like heart attacks, mm-hmm. right? Or, um, you know, and then once you have a heart attack, then you've destroyed some of the heart muscle. Mm-hmm. And then the heart muscle doesn't function as well. And then you can end up in a situation where now the heart being a pump can't pump very well. Mm-hmm. And now you're into a set of, you know, what we call congestive heart failure symptoms. So you're short of breath, you're fatigued, um, you know, you have decreased exercise tolerance, a whole host of things. But... Um, you know, that's probably more of the germane, you know, uh, well thought of, you know, sort of well known type mm-hmm. of heart disease. But, mm-hmm. you know, there's valvular heart disease where the heart valves just wear out over time, mm-hmm. um, you know, from a whole host of different things that can cause them to, to, to have abnormalities. Um, but, you know, the heart, you know, it's pumping blood to every vital organ in the body. Mm-hmm. And, you know, so, it's involved, you know, cardiovascular disease is head to toe. So, mm-hmm. you know, we talk about cerebrovascular disease in the brain. Um, we talk about cardiovascular disease with the circulation throughout the entire body. And so, but the process is, you know, it's all, it's all intermixed. It's mm-hmm. all intermingled. But there's so many things that impact it. And, you know, you, you alluded to it with your statement was that, yeah, it's the, it's the central organ you know, that life is dependent upon, really. Uh, you know, I can take one of your kidneys, you're going to be okay. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we can take your gallbladder out, you're okay. You can take your appendix out, you're okay. We can take out two feet of your colon, you're okay. Mm-hmm. Take the heart out, you're done, mm-hmm. right? So it's a, 
it, it's a little different that way. Um, and so uh, I think from that standpoint, they're just a multitude of things that impact it. I mean, you know, all the regular cardiovascular risk factors, the diabetes, the high blood pressure, the high cholesterol, the smoking, you know, lack of exercise, obesity, um, family history. Um, but, you know, I think there's a big, you know, sort of mind-body connection into disease processes anyway mm -hmm. and I don't think the heart's any different you know you see people that are just going through incredibly stressful times and they're having chest pain mm -hmm. and there's absolutely nothing wrong with their heart you know you can do all the tests and mm -hmm. you can put them through all the studies and you know I can reassure them and show them the pictures and say there's nothing there you got you know pristine beautiful heart arteries look at this and you know but for you know basically broken hearted and you know, um, it manifests itself, yeah. you know? And so I just, uh, you know, it's a very interesting thing because people feel palpitations, you know, skipped heartbeats and that sort of thing uh, under emotional, you know, stressors and have panic attacks. And, you know, so you kind of run the gamut of, you know, I see, you know, I'll see, uh, you know, an 18 year old kid that's had, you know, five congenital heart surgeries by the time he was seven, right? And, you know, now he's a different, you know, that he obviously has heart disease, right? Mm -hmm. So, um, but I'll see, you know, the, the, you know, the 40 year old, you know, young executive who's just, you know, being pushed pretty hard at work and is under a lot of stress and traveling Monday through Thursday and getting on a plane on Sunday nights. And, you know, I mean, just, you know, and has two little kids at home and just, and you can just tell like, yeah. You know, you almost want to write them a prescription for a vacation. Yeah, <laughs> it's like, yeah, it's yeah, like yeah. this is really not your heart, I promise yeah, you. But, yeah. um, you know, it's, uh, yeah, from that standpoint, you kind of see, you know, a, just this incredible spectrum of patients. Mm -hmm. um, but where I live, you know, in the terms of what I do, yeah, it's a lot of patients that have been turned down, um, told nothing can be done. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I've had a lot of patients over the years that have been referred to hospice. Um, you know, that we're able to do something for. And I don't like to throw that out there like, hey, you know, everybody on hospice, you know, we can fix. And right. that's not the point. But right. just, you know, understanding that I think one of the most important things for patients is understanding the power of a second opinion. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. I think oftentimes the relationship, the patient-physician relationship, and I encourage my own patients. I'm like, you don't have to take my word for it. Mm -hmm. Please, you know, go talk to so-and-so at this mm -hmm. institution or that institution. Um, but uh, I think that's really important for patients to get, you know, a, a variety of, of inputs before they that's make a, a big decision. That's really good. Oh, under what circumstance, I mean, you've, you've sort of alluded to it, like people... Um, what does an average day look look like for you? I mean, I'm sure there's no average day, but what what yeah, is no. a day like? What is a day in the life of a cardiologist who does what you do look like? Um. So yeah, interestingly enough, so that's that's part of my job, mm -hmm. right? Um, and that's probably represents uh, somewhere 85 percent of my my job. Mm -hmm. I also. Um, 15% of my job is, is spent um, as a national medical director for uh, HCA, which is Hospital Corporation of America. Mm -hmm. And they, uh, here in Dallas-Fort Worth area, um, they're Medical City Healthcare. That's HCA owned. But HCA owns over 180 hospitals across the United States. Mm -hmm. And so for them, uh, I serve as a director and I lead about 137 cardiovascular programs across the country at about 137 different hospitals. So I spend, you know, there's meeting time usually in the morning, um, you know, usually at seven <laughs> uh, to get started. And, um, and, and that's, that typically is about that aspect of, of what I do um, in, in servicing, you know, that role. That's amazing um, that you do that. I did. I had no idea you did that. Yeah, I'm not a big braggart. <laughs> no, you're not. I know. I know. <laughs> uh, but uh, but I say that because I would have never thought that as a physician you sort of would have that uh, opportunity mm -hmm. to do something like that. I bet you love that. Yeah, it's great because mm -hmm. I've gotten to know really awesome men and women uh, across the country. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, 
And, uh, you know, HCA has, you know, 250,000 employees. I mean, it's just like this massive company. Wow. And, um, but I work on this, you know, I have a role on this really great team out of Nashville. Um, and, um, yeah, we really, we really drive a lot of really good innovative stuff across the country with that. But so meeting time in the morning, Mm -hmm. um, usually, uh, if I'm operating, uh, I try to do, uh, probably, you know, two, uh, surgeries in the morning, two surgeries in the afternoon. Mm -hmm. And so, um, on a typical week, you know, probably somewhere, um, probably eight to 10 cases a week, Mm -hmm. uh, I'll do. What is the average time you're in surgery? Yeah, so that's always a moving target mm-hmm. um, because it's never the same way twice. And so you can go in there and you think you're going to be done in an hour and a half or two hours, and you're, you know, three and a half hours later, you're still there. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, but yeah, kind of kind of ballpark it to an hour and a half, two hours usually for the stuff I do. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, you know, so yeah, it's a pretty full day. Uh, mm-hmm. get home, you know, sometime between the six and seven o'clock window usually. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then, you know, take the, you know, take the doctor hat off and become, you know, the dad to four teenagers. <laughs> What's is, the longest you ever in surgery? Um, you know, back when we first started doing some of this new <clears throat> technology stuff, like 13 years ago, some of this valve stuff that I do now, um, I mean, literally could be in there almost eight to 10 hours. Oh, wow. Yeah. And just brutal. Oh. You know, it's, it's, that's that, cause that, you know, you're just being that focused and grinding. Being, you're yeah, just, just grinding. Yeah. You're just, you know, and you're, you're stressed and everybody around you is stressed and you got to be the one that keeps you calm. Mm-hmm. You know, as they tell you in training, you're the captain of the ship. Mm-hmm. If the captain loses his mind, guess what the crew does? Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, so, mm-hmm. so you just got to, you know, under, you know, on the surface, you're the duck, you know, mm-hmm. but you're paddling mm-hmm. like crazy underwater, mm-hmm. you know, so. Do you um, always have the same team as do you go into surgery with yeah. the same team all the time? It, mo- yeah. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, so that's a huge part of consistency, yeah. right? So I'm a real big proponent of quality yeah. and, uh, quality is you know, basically lack of deviation from a good process. Yep. And so the more repetitive it is, the better. And so bringing the same cast of characters mm-hmm. in there, you know, mm-hmm. they're my family, mm-hmm. um, you know, anesthesia, you know, everybody from the anesthesiologist to the person that's handing me instruments and stuff mm-hmm. were, you know. It's there's just so much unspoken now because yeah. we just you know we've done it yeah. you know thousands of yeah. times, and uh, but I appreciate that you appreciate the importance of of that because I can't imagine the energy that field that that camaraderie and that respect and that knowing creates and that that has to make an impact on the success of of the outcome. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you want to mm-hmm. be a complete jerk to the people you're working with, it's not going to go so well mm-hmm. in there, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, you got to be in tune with what's going on with mm-hmm. them, you mm-hmm. know, and mm-hmm. ask about them personally. And, mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, mm-hmm. like you would a family member. Mm-hmm. You just, it's mm-hmm. not real complicated. But, right. right. But you can handle it one of two ways. You can be completely aloof and a jerk, or mm-hmm. you can mm-hmm. ingratiate yourself with them and be like, look, mm-hmm. I'm going to treat you like my brother and sister, and, mm-hmm. you know, let's get some good stuff done. Yeah. So, yeah. And let's let's create a you know put something good out so something good can happen. Yeah, and yeah. they're equal, you know. And then you got to celebrate people, you know. You got to, you know, when we have an incredible outcome with something, and you know, we get you know the pictures taken, and it's the whole team. You know, mm-hmm. it's not me standing there with the mm-hmm. patient. I mean, it's mm-hmm. the it's the whole you know there's twenty five awesome. people you know standing around the patient really uh, that that made that happen. So it's really neat. Yeah. What are what's what's the hardest thing about your job? Um, going into a waiting room to a family and telling them somebody died. Yeah. Yeah. That, you know, you, that's the worst day ever. Mm-hmm. Um, you this, know. M- this might be a really hard question. How do you do that? Uh, you know, with the perspective of what would I want to, what would I want to know? Mm-hmm. You know, wh- how, how would I like that? message delivered Mm -hmm. because it's not going to be good right Mm -hmm. i mean there's no great way of doing that and um and so i always look at it from the perspective of the family Mm -hmm. and um you know and part of it too is that you you have to be really delicate up front Mm -hmm. that you 
can't, you know, you don't want to overpromise. You know, yeah, I, set the expectation. Know, I, yeah, I mean, I'm I'm an instrument of God. Mm-hmm. I've been gifted with good hands and making some good decisions in an operating room, but you know, I'm not God, mm-hmm. and uh, and so I'm merely his his instrument. But um, you know, I think from that standpoint, I go into it with, um, you know, it, I start with I'm sorry. Uh, I I think that in in medical well in medical training a lot of time you know it was almost taught to you that you wouldn't say you're sorry like mm-hmm. don't say you're sorry you know if they, if they sue you you know the attorneys you know are going to use that again well why were you sorry mm-hmm. well you know that you did something wrong mm-hmm. I'm like I don't care yeah, yeah. no I am sorry sue <laughs> me and I'm still sorry <laughs> yeah I'm, I'm sorry yeah, yeah. Uh, really I'm truly yeah. sorry yeah. I wish I could have I wish this had turned out much differently and I wish yeah. I could have done more yeah. and things just didn't go the way that we wanted them. And, you know, uh, yeah, I, I don't know. I think just being genuine. Mm-hmm. I, I don't think there's a, you know, I don't think there's a formula mm-hmm. to it. Um, sometimes you get met with, you know, some really, you know, some real frustration thrown back at you yeah. uh, and some anger. And there's obviously sadness and, you know, but you got to take it like, you know, you, you got to take it right on the chin and mm-hmm. just, hey, you know, this is what you do. Mm-hmm. And so you got to stand there and look at them eye to eye and, you know, basically just, you know, give, you know, render bad news. Mm-hmm. And so, um, but that's tough, mm-hmm. you know, it, that, that walk down that hallway to that waiting room when that happens, you know, it's just like, oof. I mean, it drains you. I mean, mm-hmm. it's just, mm-hmm. that's just a bummer. Mm-hmm. But um, fortunately, that's not an everyday experience. Mm-hmm. Um, but, um, yeah, it's certainly possible every day. Sure. So it's the best part. <laughs> uh, I, I would say the best part is, you know, when you when you operate on somebody and then, you know, you go upstairs and they're out of anesthesia, you know, and they're sitting up and, you know, they hold your hand and they look you in the eye and they say, thank you. Mm. And, That's gonna make me cry. <laughs> uh, <laughs> that is the sweetest thing. Yeah, but yeah, I mean that's. I mean, what? I don't know. That, I'm, that's why I do it, right? Yeah. I mean, you know, just yeah. I as I say to them, I, I, I yeah, I'm a, I'm, I'm as you know, I'm, I'm pretty religious, and you know, I feel blessed and very thankful mm-hmm. for what I've been given. And uh, and very fortunate. So you know, I always say, hey, you know, don't thank me, thank him. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, but uh, yeah, I mean, that's that's a really special thing. And then you see, you know, then they go to the granddaughter's graduation, or they see the baby born, or you see all these events, right? Mm-hmm. And they feel like this connection to you, mm-hmm. and it's so special mm-hmm. um, that they send you these cards and. You know, all these updates of the stuff that they're able to do. And they went to the bowling league again <laughs> and they did the, you know, they do two step and they're dancing again and stuff like that. And you're just like, that's, wow. you know, that's so that's cool. So sweet. That's so cool. Yeah, you know, I mean, so I had cool. like a, I had like this 88 year old guy who ran, uh, who was a runner, loved to run, right? Mm-hmm. Ran, ran, ran. And I had to replace uh, his aortic valve. And, uh, you know, he went back and he ran a half marathon, you know? I'm like, you're 89 years old. <laughs> Calm down. Calm down. <laughs> you know, but just just Aww. cool stuff like that. Yeah. That's the best part. Um, you know, and I think the other part is just realizing that you're living your dream, you know, yeah. that you attained probably more than you ever thought that you could. Yeah. Um, that feels really good. And I think that's just, you know, I try to tell my kids, listen, it's, it's not a straight line journey. Mm-hmm. There's, you know, it's, there's a lot of ups and downs. Mm-hmm. There's, you know, you're going to fail mm-hmm. 10 more times than mm-hmm. you succeed. Mm-hmm. But the biggest part is those immeasurables of picking yourself up, continuing to grind, and, you know, achieving that far reaching goal, yeah. you know, and go for it. Yeah. Um, don't let anybody, I mean, if, yeah, if I counted the number of people that told me you will never be a doctor mm-hmm. or mm-hmm. you'll never be, a, you know, mm-hmm. you'll never do this Fill or that. Blank. Oh my goodness. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I, you know, I probably, right. it was funny. I was actually interviewing for a job at the time I was applying to medical school. I was applying for a job to be a biology teacher and lacrosse coach at ESD. <laughs> no, no kidding. Cause that was, that was pretty much where I thought, uh, it's pretty much where I thought I was going to end up was, well. you know, I'm going to be that frustrated 
biology teacher that never made it to medical school. Uh-huh. And I'll take it out on the, you know, on the lacrosse field again. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, you know, fortunately that, that all worked out. So, but yeah, it's, it's, um, yeah, I don't know. It's, it's a, it's a great, you know, I think it's all about the journeys, you know, that's why I like this idea of what you're doing, you know, to capture the essence of how people got to where they yeah. are. Cause yeah. there's always that background story that people are like really yeah Yeah. i love that you said that like to your kids like ask ask them how they got there like you're looking at you're looking at the result like ask them how they got there yeah ask them all the times they failed on their way there right i mean michael jordan didn't make his high school basketball team you know (laughs) yeah and you know that yeah those things are real those those it's Mm -hmm. very real Mm -hmm. and you know and, and a lot of the time you know C students do really well in this world. Yeah. You yeah, know? Yeah. I'm proof of that. <laughs> you know? I am. I, I am too. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. Um, you know, I just, I, I like the measurables and that's great. And, you yeah. know, but man, we're so caught up in it. Yeah. You know, you got to go to this school and you got to have that degree yeah. and you got to have this grade and you got to take that class. And you got to have a lot more know. than that too. Just, just, yeah. you know. Just I don't know. I'd rather somebody tell me, "Hey, these are three businesses I'd love to start. These are three things I'm wildly interested in, mm-hmm. and how do I get there? Mm-hmm. You know, or how mm-hmm. can you help?" Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I bring kids to work with me a lot that are interested in medicine. You know, mm-hmm. um, I just had a young man from Jesuit uh, spend the day with me on Thursday and came to surgery with me, and you know, he's graduating, he's senior uh, in high school, and you know, super bright kid, mm-hmm. and you know, I'm like. Yeah, he's like, do you think I could, I could do this? I'm like, I'm like, dude, you're smarter than me. You, know? like, <laughs> like, you can do whatever you I'm want. I'm like, you can do whatever you want, buddy. You know, like you're you're taking like all AP classes. They wouldn't even let me walk past the AP class. You know I mean? They wanted to put you in another section yeah. of the school. Yeah, I wasn't even going to be in the room, like in the school building. You know? So I'm like, yeah, dude, you can do whatever you want, man. Just you know, relax. Just so you're 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 going to do great. You so know, good. but anyway. Well, Bruce, you're a doll, and you're amazing, and inspired me. And I, I can't imagine how many people are going to listen to this and just be truly blessed. So. Um, much bigger than heart talk, which I really, really, really appreciate. Yeah. So thank you, well, thank you, thank you. Me. And it's fun. keep on keeping on. That's right. <laughs>